If I say big emotions to any parent, they're going to know exactly what I mean. So we're going to look at big emotions and how to help our kids and ourselves with them at the same time. Welcome everyone to Hope Ninja Parents. I'm Cynthia Painter, Mindset Coach. I'm Dr. Louise Metcalf, a psychologist and the founder of George. And together we are here to be able to show with you Hope Ninja Parents, the podcast where we are helping to spread hope throughout our parenting for us and our children. Today, today we are talking about big emotions. Big emotions. So I'm so excited to jump into this. And I just want to quickly mention, uh, Dr. Louise talked about founder of George. George is a kid-friendly app robot, uh, robot app. You can look at that anywhere you like. <laughs> he helps kids with big emotions, right? So if you want to check that out, the link will be below uh, in the description. So go have a look at that. All right, big emotions, we're literally saying, if I say big emotions to any any parent, they're not thinking feelings of joy and happiness and love. No. <laughs> That's what we're talking about today. <laughs> what are we going to cover? Tell us what type of emotions we're looking at when we mean big emotions. You know, we could be talking about big joy because kids do feel big joy. We love that. But <laughs> I'm sure that's not the the one that parents I'm a parent to would say that is you know something they want to tackle particularly. They're <laughs> just glad to see it when it pops up. That's good stuff. So that's so good stuff. We love that stuff. So kids have big emotions in general, um, and it's because that's their primary function of understanding the world at first you know they're still very hooked into learning about the world through experience and emotion um, so it's part of how they build their world initially and you know right throughout childhood and even into the teenage years we're very dominated by emotions because our cortex is uh, involved but it steps out every now and then and we don't have very well-developed frontal lobes. And the way adults have more muted emotions, you know, of course, we're always, always reasonable and never emotional. Um, that's, <laughs> never, yeah. um, that's through basically our frontal lobe, dampening things down and going, hey, you don't need that really big expression of emotion anymore. So kids don't really have that really well-developed frontal lobe yet and teenagers they don't have it either you don't really develop it until you're nearly 30 mother nature has a sense of humor about that <laughs> so in between birth and 30 as parents we get to deal with tantrums meltdowns crying over and anger over the wrong colored cup right <laughs> Big yeah. jealousies, <laughs> like you, and they, they can't even necessarily tell you, even a teenager. I have a teen, I have a tween, right? Even they lose their brains sometimes. So these big emotional things are with us. This is what we're talking about. And it, it really is the thing that we don't think of when we are pregnant, right? <laughs> we're still we're sitting there going oh it's gonna be lovely oh and you look at those other parents and go oh 
I'm not going to be like you. My kid's going to be great. Didn't we all think our kids were going to be great? So, and then they hit, you know, the big emotions, right? And it's interesting we call them like the terrible twos or my, my boys was terrible threes, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have emotions before that. We're going to talk in a second about the actual emotional development. How do we develop it? But it is very true that that emotional development still keeps coming through into our 30s as new definitions of what adolescence is and so forth. So that emotional development is still there. We are actually emotionally centered uh, beings as such. So even us as adults, we, we are perfect, but we're imperfectly perfect. <laughs> we can all do it as well. All right, so we are talking about those big things. So let's touch base on um, what is, what it tells take us to the emotional development from, from birth. I mean, we don't need every millisecond, but in general, okay. what's going on emotionally? Yeah, okay, not, I won't go through every, every neuron development, but basically <laughs> we, we have very simple emotions when we're first born, but it's the way that we navigate the world. So we basically know when we feel unhappy and when we feel happy. And uh, this is actually really shown very well in that um, that Disney cartoon, maybe it was Pixar, you know, called, what was it called? Inside you know, Out. Inside Out, that was it. Yeah, and she she's born into the world and joy appears. I'm not sure if joy's first. But joy is first, joy. <laughs> it is, an in, it's in Pixar world it is. <laughs> Yes, of course. Yeah, right. Um, but basically, yeah, they're sort of polar opposites. We know that we're we're doing well, things are good, and we know things are not so good, you know, nappy change needed or, you know, hunger, you know. And it just kind of progresses from there. It's very much the way that we navigate our world, particularly when we're, you know, very young. Your cortex is still developing at that stage. So it's got a lot of work to do in order to become very well developed. And you can see the growth of the cortex through how kids develop motor skills. That's probably one of the most obvious ways to see it, right? Because they, you know, obviously can't walk <laughs> when they're first born, but they learn to crawl. You know, kids learn to crawl in really interesting ways. Some control, some learn to crawl backwards, which is awesome. Some <laughs> learn to crawl first on their bottoms, which is also awesome. It's so interesting to see that development. And of course, later on, you see the fine motor skills develop and you're seeing the cortex really muscle up at that stage, right? But initially, yeah, we're just very emotional creatures. And the, the if you think back through your memories, most people don't have a memory earlier than about five years old. And that's because before that, you're really dominated by your subconscious, which is where of emotion kind of speak. Your mm. subconscious language is actually emotional. Yeah. Kind of develops and develops. As you sort of watch kids grow, uh, my kid's learning how to ride a bike at the moment, and it's been amazing to see him go from, like, bike, oh, my God, that's weird, not getting on that, to <laughs> ride it himself, right? <laughs> He's like, yeah. It's easy. <laughs> so, you know, that kind of development through five and then things get more complex in terms of friendships and you know peer-to-peer emotions from about seven um so more gradations in emotion you can see how it's going from like this good or this bad when you're when you're first born to starting to get very complex and mm. about seven when you're dealing with friendships 
And then of course it gets super complicated through the teenage years. Um, and probably the one that really freaks, oh, I missed, I missed this one, this is a good one, at nine, <laughs> there's a real understanding of death. So that can really freak our parents. Um, okay. That's not, yeah. <laughs> Usually they're, they're focusing about your death, which is uh, very confronting, but <laughs> very grounding. But obviously it's just an understanding that life really ends and sort of coping with that. And then later on in their late teens is when they start to really understand the concept of you know, our own mortality, basically. So very confronting. And you also see things like uh, the, the development of kind of like a strong moral standpoint in the late teenage years. So I don't know if you remember yours, but I was a full on like, save the trees. <laughs> That's right. My oldest has a strong like, sense of justice. There you go. All <laughs> right. <laughs> It's so normal. It's a very normal brain stage yes. development. Uh, so it's kind of good to see, but it can be, yeah, can create some arguments in the home if the, the parents aren't particularly great or whatever. And yes. um, yeah. And that just kind of keeps going because he had that great those gradations in emotions get more and more sophisticated. And yeah, around about the age 30, for girls, uh, for women at that age, it's um it starts a little bit earlier than for men but the frontal lobe kicks in and it starts to dampen down emotions. So instead of having large swings, really clear emotions, really strong emotions, um, adults tend to have more muted emotions. Occasionally we might have like big ones of some variety, but it's usually from big impact in life. We don't tend to experience them on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, and I, that would be a common, <laughs> yes. That would be a combination of um, for moving into adulthood to have those more muted combination of understanding how to handle our emotions and how to get things. And so for we're not being fired off all the time as a standard adult, there's obviously differences out there, but also oh, about okay. how we've been parented, right? How we've been parented, messages from culture on emotions and what emotions mean and emotions being good or bad or so forth and I think that's what we really would love to get into here today is how do we help our emotion help our kids have a good healthy um, relationship with their emotions but also how to deal with them because I'm sure I realized recently I realized recently and I don't think I'm the only parent out there that my good intentions were backfiring so my good intentions and I'm a particularly positive person work on that uh, yep. Dr Lou is like the most positive human being I've ever met but I'm a particularly <laughs> positive person and so we make match right and so when it comes to uh, issues with the kids and they're having a hard time I'll go oh, don't worry it'll be fine right yeah it's not so bad it'll be great and I what I realized I was doing is actually dismissing um and and negating them because I was trying to help them move to the next point rather than move through it so it'd be great for us to touch on that at some point as well and there is cultural messages as I said before about oh, yeah. males and females or feminine and masculine and their relationships with emotions but uh, yeah. let's come back to let's just make sure we touch on that but let's come back to what is it that they what are their emotions trying to do and what how do we help them 
all about getting something to happen, basically. You know, emotions are basically information about the world. And when kids express them through behaviour, which is a bit obvious that the parents really notice, uh, I think you know, some parents out there pick up the subtleties or some of the time we pick up the subtleties, right? But it's the, yeah. the big emotions, it's when you're, you're getting, you're seeing a communication from behaviour. Yeah, behaviour is communication, exactly right, yes. Pay attention to me, mum or dad. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's it's two things. There's There is information about the world, which is trying to kind of be understood by the child. As an adult, we tend to take that information and, uh, okay, let's face it, if you have good a good relationship with your emotions, this is what you do. You take that information, you process it, and you use it well. Um, and for kids, obviously, they're not going to be doing so great at the processing or the use it well initially, right? They develop it as they go along. But yeah. the processing and use it well, that's what the communication is about. They're like, ah, I don't know how to manage this. I, I don't know how to process it. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. So I'm just going to give this to mom or dad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because yeah, they don't have the filters, right? They don't, they don't have the filters. They don't have the capacity. They don't have the learning. They didn't come out of the womb walking. So why would they come out being able to manage their emotions easily, right? Yeah, that's, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah, right. So we have to manage our expectations with that. Um, so you know, that time they're trying to communicate something, they, they might be throwing something or <laughs> they're hitting their sibling or they're just oh. on the ground and it's beyond. You know the cry that's beyond. <laughs> There's no coming back for that in any time soon. And we do sometimes go logical brain on that. It's like, well, I still have yeah. to get you to school and you still have to have shoes on. <laughs> and what about your homework? And what is te Mrs. Smith, the teacher, going to think? We, we, try to, yeah. well, we try to logic brain it, right? Because we have, <laughs> we have because we've got lots of stuff on. I don't do this when everything's calm. I should do this when we're no. under the bump. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> they do that because they're reacting to us right like we're part of the the initial kickoff we're part of the trigger because yes. we're stressed we're like oh my god where's uh i've lost the keys to the car where's the keys you know <laughs> i'm the chicken yep so yeah that's just prime territory right there for a big emotion yeah 100 <laughs> percent so we think the shortest path is to scoop it up and keep going. Yeah. Now, look, I know there'll be many parents out there listening who are like, oh, no, no, I don't do this. And that's great <laughs> for the rest of us. <laughs> Get a glass of wine and join in. So, um, but, you know, e even the best parenting, you know, when you're in your best parenting moment, great. But we're not always in our best parenting moments. Actually, I think that's really important for us to understand that, you know, we are allowed to be fallible. Okay, so again, we didn't come out of the womb being parents either, right? So, nope. And pa parenting, you know, it's not called kiddling, it's called parenting. And that means we're dealing with our own triggers. Uh, it's yeah. our own personal yeah. development that these little human beings have come along to help us with. So, totally. right? so 
you know, it's not easy to do this stuff that we're going to talk about when you're triggered. So, you know, when the kid's done something and it pushes your respect button or your one of your value systems, right? So yeah. I just want to give people permission to be imperfect. Um, there's a, a great parenting coach called Jodie Thornton, and she has said to me many a time, don't worry, your children will always give you another chance to practice parenting. so I want you to I want everyone to have permission to be imperfect and do your best in the moment so we're going to give you some tips on how to do your best in in the moment right okay yeah actually it's better to be imperfect that may sound really strange right it's like giving you all these tips and like oh god I've got to be perfect that would be not so helpful actually because a big part of learning how to deal with big emotions is actually role modeling. How do we do it? So yeah, you yeah. the keys melting down, can't get the kid into the car, kid is melting down. Stop. Yeah. You know, stop, breathe, get the, the, the amygdalas are firing like crazy. Yours, your children's, you know, so just stop, get the amygdalas under control first. Then you can deal with things more. Yeah, rationally, logically. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, yes, you need to sort of get yourself in control. I think there's a moment to go, and when it's all firing, to go, ah, what's the learning moment here? With your kid, right? You kind of go, okay, I think I just made a mistake there. Let's, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have gotten so stressed. Let's. Sit down. Yeah. Talk about this. Who cares? We're five minutes late for school, right? Just do, just do the important thing first. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it is. Normally, we're going to a doctor's appointment, we're trying to get the shopping in, or they're in the growth supermarket aisle taking everything off, or they're hitting their brother with a knife. You know, these things are not good. Oh my God. <laughs> the knife thing. You take first. the knife off. First. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Make the, make the area safe. I think that's one of those occasions, yep. <laughs> right. So we so we need to take a breath ourselves so to get a little present. And then what do they need for us? Because there is a concept in um, in NLP, which um, most people know I'm, I'm trained in NLP, the concept of actually building rapport. And with rapport, mm. what we do is that what we if we are in rapport with someone, we do they follow. Right. So the mm. idea, if we get ourselves calm and then connect with the child, that's going to help bring the child with us. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, great customer service people use the same principle. If yeah. someone is, yeah, it's so, it's so like a real professional. It's so amazing to watch them because they'll just go, they'll be so empathetic and understanding and let the person just talk and talk and talk and vent, or venting, vent and vent and then okay let's deal with this now it's the yeah. same principle it's really really beautiful to watch yes except that we do not live 24 7 with customers and that's the difference <laughs> and they should know that so all right so what do we, what do we need to do from our kids we're going to get ourselves all settled first we're going to take a breath under the bra strap belly button right take a breath and then yeah, what do the kids need from us yeah, so first of all, know how you cool down. And if that's breathing, awesome. 
if it's something else like you know for some people they literally have to go for a walk to calm down and that's fine if that's your way to do it as long as your kids have supervision that's going to work yeah uh, you might need another you might need that strategy if your kids don't have supervision if you're going for a walk <laughs> walk to the bathroom and back yeah yeah, that's a good one. Some people put their hands on a freezing cold water, like or they might get ice out of the fridge and hold it in their head for a little while. It helps them yeah. to be more mindful, get back into their body rather than yes. their head. Um, so there's heaps of strategies out there. Learn what works for you and make yeah. it a go-to. Just do it, right? Right. And what your kid is seeing is they see, oh, okay, that's a big emotion in mum or dad. <gasps> Which is a bit scary for kids. And yeah. then oh, you know, they're getting past it, you know, not rushing it, but breathing, using some technique to to manage this emotion. Yeah. And then when they come back to to, to meet the child, they're talking in a much more balanced, you know, mm -hmm. calm way. I don't feel so scared anymore. And yeah, I'm willing to have this conversation. So it works well role modeling very powerful thing it is because actions bring uh, stronger than words particularly in teenagers because they've got a yeah. big barometer um oh yeah huge huge <laughs> and sarcasm <laughs> such a natural brain stage and yet oh awful awful <laughs> mother nature has a terrible sense of you right <laughs> Oh, doesn't she just all right so we need to get ourselves find out what works for us there's a couple of ideas that's our first step now what do we need to do well if you're a tricky parent a clever parent you would also know what cools down your child's amygdala so i had this saying hug then talk um you know you quite rightly pointed out to me cynthia not all kids are huggers so true <laughs> so very very true um so if they're not gonna hug do something else right like whatever whatever helps them to feel calm find the strategy go to it and then yeah. talk yeah so yeah once this, this is basically emotional regulation right skill you're teaching a child the skill of regulating their emotions yes. very useful skills throughout the whole of life yeah and then yeah. the next thing you teach is the problem solving the negotiation, you know, whatever comes next to kind of resolve whatever was the trigger to create that big emotion. Yeah, beautiful. And so we're talking about regulate yourself, work out what works for you, work out what works for your child and help them know what that is. So you might find I, I have um, one child who likes to throw himself on the couch, right, uh, face down on the couch. And so I actually asked him, is that when you're feeling, and we, you, you, know, you can't teach someone to swim when they're drowning, so when they're calm, you can have this conversation. You know, when you're upset, I notice you throw yourself on the couch. And what, what, what could I do to help you in that moment? Do you want me to talk to you or do you want me to leave you alone? Right, and for mm. him, he wants to be left alone, right, for, for those moments. Or do you want to hug men or you don't want to hug them? And it's okay if they don't know, right? But having those yeah. sort of conversations. So regulate yourself. Um, notice what is setting off your child, but also how they regulate and help them learn that and then go into talking through the situation and sometimes we can't talk through the situation just yet. We do have to go on to some logistics. Maybe we're getting on a plane when we're allowed to do that again, which is great. 
<laughs> you know, sometimes you just have to keep going, right? <laughs> so, uh, but there's a point where you do need, you will talk through, you know, the, the situation. I found this particularly, um, this particularly hit me in the face as a strategy where I really had to drop um, all those other pressures that we make up for ourselves of being late and, and so forth. Uh, when when my youngest was having trouble getting to school and he was literally just having meltdowns and I had made a decision consciously and unconsciously at the same time of I was never going to drag my kid to school crying down the street. Like that's just not a thing, right? And so it was a moment of letting go of going, you know, what right now is just about this moment. What matters is this moment, and just dropping the rest of it. Uh, and I, like I said, sometimes there are some rare situations where you really, really, really can't do that. But in essence, most of it, worst case scenario is you're late or you might yeah. miss a parcel or something like that, right? All things that are, are fixable and workaroundable. So yeah. in yeah. our family here, we talk about acknowledge emotions first, then talk. Similar to hug, then talk. <laughs> Yeah. And as part of that acknowledging of emotions, which I'm, you know, given what you said there, you totally do, is putting that label to the emotion, right? Yeah. And that's just that's just teaching kids how to talk to you about how they feel. Yes. You know, we aren't born with emotional language. You know, we aren't born being able to read Shakespeare. So you have to learn that as you go. And as your emotions become more and more complex, there are more words you can attach to your emotions. Um, we were talking about this before, but there is an emotion wheel you can download from the internet. And it shows you, if you speak English, the amount of words we can use for emotions. Yeah. And there's a lot more than most people use commonly. But it's worthwhile downloading and looking at it and doing it because it helps us to be more accurate. And if your kids are more accurate at labeling their own emotions, they're better at showing you how they feel, obviously, but also telling you what they need. So if your child is just angry versus frustrated, mm. that gives you something you can like work on after the emotion has actually run its course. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as you were saying, very important not to rush kids through emotion. They, the information should be something that they process, right? It's valuable information. Your emotions can, as an adult, can can literally, very literally, save your life. You know, yes. think about fear. Yeah, right. It can literally save your life. Yes. So we want to teach kids how to recognize, label, process, manage their emotions, and that will see them through life. Yes, and on that label, you absolutely look for the emotions wheel or any of those um, uh, emotional faces. Faces is all the different uh, emotions on them, like cartoon faces. We have that on our fridge. A great exercise yep. for you to do is put it on the fridge and talk to the kids about it. But every day, practice using one of those one of those emotions in a sentence. Yeah. 
That's a that great idea. Vulnerable, uh, confused, right? And yeah. actually just practice bringing that language in the vocabulary of emotions into life because that'll expand your vocabulary and same as with the kids as well. So really good. And we have it on the fridge so the kids can see it. You know, if they don't know how they're feeling, then it's something that can reference or, you know, we don't have a teaching lesson in our household every day. Let's get our, our notepad out. But <laughs> subconsciously it's there, right? Going straight into the unconscious for yeah. us as well, right? So, so we've got there, we want to work on labels. Uh, and in any other context, we would say labels is maybe not a good idea. But here, we're building that vocabulary, oh. really want to be able yeah. to label it. Um, and, and to help girls and boys have good relationship with um, emotions, and be able to move to that place of being able to self regulate to notice within themselves. This is another good conversation to have with your kids that when they're feeling these emotions, where do they feel it in their body, right? Mm. So to begin to notice what sensation maybe anger is like, you know, do they put their shoulders up here? What is What happens in their body when they're sad, right? So you can yeah. ask when they've calmed down a bit, where did you feel that in your body? And start having those sort of conversations as well so that they begin to pick up the cues for themselves and for others. I do want to yeah. wrap one element into this. We are Hope Ninja parents after all, right? Totally, totally right? So we hear about having parents help uh, share the hope. I was going to say share the love, share the hope. We want to sprinkle yeah. hope everywhere because yes. hope helps yeah, us. Hope. Yeah, exactly. And it helps us be able to have more options, see opportunities, right? And also help us, as I'd like to say, wave, ride the waves of life, right? As the ups and downs as they come by. Can you link for me um, hope and how we how we help our kids with emotions? How do they sort of work in together? Yes, so well. Okay, so those I call them challenging emotions. Yep. Some people call them negative emotions, not a huge fan of that one, but challenging emotions. We all know what I mean when I say that, right? Anger, I'm just going to use the, the sort of more simpler version of label. Anger, yep. sadness, you know, even disappointment, fear. fear, yeah, right? And they don't feel good. Yeah, they shame, don't. guilt, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely, right? They do not feel good. <laughs> That they can feel so awful that you know um, even adults can really struggle to manage them at all you know and even can take some really drastic decisions um, so you know we want to show we want to show that even the challenging emotions are information that we are meant to process and that do actually help us in life so yes they feel they feel not so great because that's that's Mother Nature's way <laughs> of making us do something, mm. you know, making us take action in some way. Yeah. Fear is the most obvious, right? You, you're frightened of something, you don't go near it. Yeah. So snakes, for example, I'm not a huge fan. Some people are, I'm not, <laughs> right? Same, right, same. for me. <laughs> and that's Mother Nature's way of telling me, not so great to go near that creature um and i'm good with that <laughs> and hey protect me so 
you know, it feels bad when I feel fear. I don't particularly like the whole pulse rate increase. Um, you know, it also does weird things like reduces your digestion, uh, which is also Mother Nature's way of conserving your energy and making sure you're, you're, um, you've got resources to kind of fight or flight. So it messes with your body in all sorts of ways, your blood pressure, so many things. Yeah. Um, yuck. Yuck. <laughs> but also very, very useful. So that applies to everything. Even like as adults, we quite often, you know, really struggle with the emotions of, yeah, shame and guilt. Yeah. They're the biggest for, for adults because they have social connotations. They're like, oh, how do I deal with that, right? There's a lot of stuff attached to that. What's the purpose of shame and guilt? It does actually have a purpose. And it's it's not to make you feel bad forever. That's not its purpose. Its purpose is to realign you back to what you truly value. So it's literally Mother Nature's way of saying, oh, this is not your pathway. You know, you've stepped on a, a, a pathway here that is just not the way, you know, um, yeah. go back and change direction. That's that's what it is for you know so it's all the hope of through all this comes from adults going hey yes we do have challenging emotions all of us they get more complicated and get older but this is how we manage that this is what we do with them this is the usefulness of them and they are totally doable totally doable all of them even the very very tough ones are totally doable you know, and, and showing your kids that these are the skills to do them. Yeah, beautiful. And because um, our hope circuit, our uh, hope for our body and our mind is about us seeing opportunities so we can then work our way through situations, then helping them have a healthy relationship with all of their emotions, challenging or otherwise, um, is really, really important. Because I think when you do go down and uh, demonize or victimize some of these negative quote-unquote uh, emotions or yeah. bad emotions so right? yeah. all those elements um, put you in a darker darker place um, we yeah. have lots of messaging in our culture marketing social media other parents schooling systems so forth that actually really can um, demonize some of these elements for a girl or a boy to feel a certain way so yeah. beautiful. So I think our main takeout from this is regulate yourself, work out what works for you. As the as the beautiful imperfect parent you are, yeah. please don't don't have perfectionism because it doesn't exist, right? So embrace imperfection. Take a breath. Work out what's for you. Good then it's a good thing. It's a good <laughs> thing, right? Imperfect. Woo! Right? It's the best. <laughs> and then teach your kids that, right? That imperfect is great, and help them like be able to notice their emotions. But we really want you to. Breathe, respond to the emotion, then talk. Regulate, yeah. <laughs> respond, yeah, regulate, talk. Then talk, yeah. <laughs> right? And, yeah. and really being able to just reflect the emotion, talk. Regulate, reflect, talk. Okay, mm, beautiful. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Now, if you do want something to help you with that as well, we've talked about George a lot. George is our... Uh, 
kid-friendly app robot. So he's a little robot and app and the kids can go in and check in daily with George, but he actually helps them with their big emotions. He helps them some breathing, being able to identify how they're feeling, put those labels in and have them feel better afterwards. So it's good in the moment and it's also good and on a daily general daily check-in as well. So if you want to know more about George, go and check out the show notes in the description and you will see some details there. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I really have enjoyed today. Uh, You'll be seeing an episode coming out shortly with kids and anxiety. We didn't go into anxiety as one of our big emotions today. We will be doing that next. So stay tuned. If you have any questions for us or if you want to give us any feedback or comments, then put them down below or you can reach us on the George website as well. All right. Bye, everyone.